no. Um, I uh, Two things I ask you to pray for this week. Um, number one, next week, uh, Colby is coming to preach. So um, he... Uh, you, you, if you were here when, when we had the joint service, Colby preached at the joint service when we were all together. And obviously he's not here at, at Rio Vista anymore, but, um, his, uh, his wife Paige actually works with me. And so we stay fairly connected. So we're, um, he's gonna, um, but anyway, he's gonna come next week. So, so this week, um, pray for him. He, uh, I know he's really looking forward to preaching. It's this really weird thing when you've been preaching for a while and you don't preach for a little bit you kind of miss it and so i know he's been looking forward to getting back so so pray for him as he comes next week um pray for um tiffany and chris's uh new nephew he is uh he was born yesterday right i got the days right huh yesterday i thought it was yesterday anyway and so he's in the uh, nicu i think he's going to be okay but uh, if you've sort of been through that you know it's like a, a ton of joy and you're really excited and then you know, there's something wrong, and so the baby's in the NICU, and then all of a sudden all that joy is tons of anxiousness. And so just pray for them, Chris's sister. And um, as you pray this week, just remember to lift them up as they kind of walk through that. So, um, man, it was a lot of fun worshiping today. I have not gotten to stand next to Molly uh, when when we were singing before, so that was fun. I got lots of hugs and kisses, and that's never happened during a worship service, so that was pretty fun. Um, uh I, uh, I told you earlier, joke about being fall. The one thing I love about fall in South Louisiana is that I don't have to cut grass that much. So I've been three weeks without cutting the grass, so that's been pretty exciting. It does allow me to catch up on my movie watching. So uh, we watched a couple movies over the past few weeks. That's been a lot of fun. Um, I watched this movie, uh, Sully. Have you guys seen that? I may have the name wrong. Um, do I have the name right? Okay, I thought that was the name. You know, it's kind of like I used to call Family Matters Urkel. Right? That's not the name, but, you know, I just forget. But anyway, so I watched this movie. Uh, who's seen this movie? Familiar with the story? A couple of you guys? Okay, cool. Um, so this guy, talk about like some up and down in the life of somebody. This guy, um, airline pilot. Uh, he's actually got two master's degrees, served a full career, 20 years in the military, uh, decorated, lots of good things going on, makes good money, all those kind of things. Um, takes off one day, he's getting ready to fly, and then they don't find this out till later, but uh, two large, some large birds had gotten lodged in into the, you know, whatever makes the plane fly. I don't know any of the technical terms, but anyway, got lodged in there. And so, you know, he wakes up that morning and things are going pretty good, um, gets into the air and realizes really quickly that things are not good. Um, he actually says in his book, he says, um, the moments before the, the, when they land the plane, they call it the ditching. And so moments before the ditching, he says, um, he says it's the worst, sickening pit of your stomach, falling through the four feeling that he had ever experienced, and uh, just just a sinking feeling like you couldn't believe. Quite certain, he felt like that he was going to die. So doing his very best to 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 try to land the plane, but obviously never having landed like that, feeling like he's going to die. He wakes up, he's on a high, and then he's on a super low, and then they land the plane, and he navigates this incredible. You know, everybody's able to get off, and uh, and now he's a hero. So he wakes up, he's a normal guy, but things are going well, and then he thinks he's going to die, and then he's a hero. About a month later, 
He's standing before this board that's trying to determine whether or not there's potential that they bring criminal charges against him because they think that that he should have known in his expertise that he could have landed the plane. There was enough time to land the plane at, at a local airport without having to sort of go through all this. So now, after all that, he's a pilot, then he thinks he's going to die, and then he's a hero, and then he's potentially going to be a convict. If you watch, I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but I feel like I should tell you how it ends. Um, so he doesn't get any, you know, they don't bring criminal charges. And they say that, you know, he did the best with the information that he had and assessed all the information. And so back to hero again. And, and so back on top. But you've got to think, in, in the middle there, you talk about a guy who did everything right. So hero saved the lives of 140, 180 people, something like that, saved all their lives, served the military, 20 years in the military, done everything right, and now he's standing before a board that's going to decide whether or not he's going to be, a, whether he's a criminal or not. And you got to think, this is a guy that's got to be like, wow, you just can't win. You know, you get everything right and you just can't win. Have you ever felt like that? Ever felt like you did everything right, at least to the very best of your ability, and everything kind of seemed to go wrong? Ever felt like you were under attack? And sometimes you know who it is. Sometimes you, you can tell who's coming after you, and maybe it's because of your, maybe it's because of your race, or, or where you work, or what you do, right? Maybe it's some of those kind of things. Sometimes you have no idea who you're under attack from. It just feels like if something's going wrong, it's happening to you. And you don't know who the attack's from, but it just seems like it's happening. And I would say to you, what if, what if, who, who cares if you're, whether you're right or not about why you're under attack? What if God has a plan for times like these? And what if it's not a mistake that all these things are going on? And what if God has something incredible that he wants to do in the middle of it all? And what if God wants to use this situation to do something incredible for himself? Isn't that something you want to be a part of? I think that more often than not, um, God has a big plan for these things that we fail to see. And there's a big, great thing that can happen in the middle of all that. So the question is, how can you sort of transform the worst thing that's happening to you, the middle of the storm, the absolute biggest problem you can face, how can you transform that to the no good, very bad, worst thing that could possibly happen to you? How do you go from that to saying, wow, God is working in the middle of this, and it's pretty incredible to be in the middle of it and to see it all. How do you go from one place to the next? I would say the change from being mired in the situation to to thriving and seeing God move is just one simple word. So we're going to dig into Daniel chapter 6. So Daniel chapter 6 is where we kind of see this this story that maybe you heard as a kid. Uh, Daniel, story about Daniel being in a lion's den. You want to talk about a guy who had a crazy turn of events, all right? One day, Daniel was getting set to lead the kingdom. Literally, one day, Tuesday, Daniel is going to be second in line to lead the kingdom. The next day, Wednesday, uh, Daniel is in a lion's den being prepared to be eaten by lions. And this isn't, if you can believe it, this isn't maybe not the worst thing to happen to Daniel, right? His life has been this total roller coaster. So here's how it starts. Um, as a kid, maybe like a teenager, 
but uh, but probably a younger child. Uh, the Babylonians, you may remember them from history class, Babylonians take over Jerusalem and they pull a bunch of the young men out. And what they're going to do with these young guys is they're going to take them back to Babylon and they're essentially going to brainwash them. So they're going to try to, to raise them up in Babylonian culture and make them think that their culture is so great. And then when they become adults and, and the ones that have really become indoctrinated and believers in, 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 in all things Babylon, then they're going to send them all back and, and they're going to have them sort of lead the people to, to become a bar, part of Babylon. So he's a kid. He's like a prisoner of war. He's been taken back to be brainwashed. And, and so he's, he's essentially in prison. So, so until they feel comfortable with you and what they're going to do with you, you're kind of like a prisoner. Well, Daniel's in prison. Uh, he's a kid. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's in prison. And then there's some people around him who start to realize that Daniel's pretty smart and pretty wise. One day the king has a big problem. Nobody can solve it. So they bring Daniel in front of the king, and he interprets this interprets this thing for the king and all of a sudden now Daniel's like a hero and so he gets to put on this so he goes straight from prisoner to he's where he's putting on purple robes and he's putting on 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 gold necklaces and now he's like one of the top people and one of the greatest dynasties in the history of the world and certainly the most the the most dangerous and most powerful dynasty at this time from the bottom to the very top Pretty quickly, once he kind of gets to that position, he starts to rise through the ranks, and it's not long, he's still a young guy, when, when he's set to become leader of the entire kingdom. Isn't that crazy? Even in this country, even in this day and age, you can't be a foreigner and lead this country. You can't do that in most countries around the world. It, it, there's just something about it that we don't like. And, and, and here Daniel is, a foreigner, a prisoner, and now he's going to lead this entire place. Here we go. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's what we just said. Verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Let me pause for a minute. If you wanted to find something that I do wrong at work, you can find it. I mean, uh, he wasn't negligent. He met deadlines. He returned phone calls. He was, uh, if, if he had a meeting, he was there. He had an agenda. He was ready. He followed up well. Right? All those things. They can't find one thing that he does wrong. I mean, that is nothing like me. You could always find something wrong. They can find nothing wrong with him. Verse 5. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So here's what they do. So these administrators, these satraps, they went as a group to the king and they said, may King Darius live forever. So they're going to butter him up. The royal administrators... Prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Trying to set this trap for Daniel. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So now Daniel has a choice. Now, he's, now he, he can either serve God or he can serve the king. And he's got to make a choice. He's got a few choices here. One, he can just run away. 
He can run away and he can possibly live if he just runs away from the problem. Sometimes we, 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 are, we are constantly finding ourselves or people around us running away from problems. It's, it, it's a solution that's in front of us. Some of us are great at it. And I think the thing that we find when we run away from problems is that we can never quite run far enough to really get away from it. And even if you can escape it for a little bit, eventually you've got to sort of come back and deal with whatever the problem was. I'm great at, at avoiding confrontation, but if there's one thing I found about avoiding confrontation is eventually you just have to face the confrontation to get through it. And, and usually the later confrontation is way worse. People leave marriages, people leave jobs, people end friendships and relationships because when there's a problem, they just don't want to deal with it. So he's got an option. He can run from it. Maybe he can live. The other thing he can do is he can stay and he can totally renounce his faith. So he can say, I'm going to stay. I'm just going to do what the king asked me to do and that way I can live. I think we do this thing too. How often do you have some sort of a, a situation or some conflict in your family or, or, or something like that going on and you say, I know the thing that God would have me to do. I, I, it seems pretty clear the thing, the way that God would have me handle this thing, but I do not want to do that. And instead, I'm going to push through and I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to sort of ram through it all and I'm going to survey the damage at the end. And in doing so, really, in the very hardest times that we have, we leave the thing that gives us the greatest hope for a happy ending or a good outcome. And in the middle of the hardest times, in the middle of the problems, we just sort of run from the problem. And we renounce our faith. And we just leave the things that are so important to us in the middle of it. So he has that option. He can run, or he can stay and he can renounce his faith. Or the other option is he can stay and be faithful. So he can be faithful to the king and, uh, and, and continue to call the king, king, but also stay and be faithful to God and call God, God, and worship to God and not worship the king. And he can stay and do his very best to be faithful to both without being unfaithful to God. So what does he do in the middle of this? Can I tell you what I would do in the face of being fed to lions? I like to think better of me. I imagine that I would run. The other day, I'm cutting the grass, and uh, I see a snake. It's about this long, very small. And, uh, and I turn the mower off, and I walk inside. <laughs> because snakes creep me out, you know? And, and I couldn't walk outside for a week without thinking about that little snake slithering around. Did any, anybody else get that? When you see a snake, now you're really scared of seeing snakes? Whatever. Jeez. Okay. Um, I'm scared of snakes. Uh, so I, I did come back and cut the rest of the grass later, like, like three to six hours later, and I bring a flashlight and I'm checking all around in there. Um, so I'm, I'm a weenie, okay, obviously more so than the rest of you, or maybe I'm just more honest. Um, so, uh, man, I, I think I would run. I don't like to think that I would, but I, I'm probably running. So here's what Daniel does. Verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published... He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I think the key to success in the middle of all these trials is faithfulness. That's the thing that changes it from mired in the midst of the muck to watching God do something incredible is faithfulness. 
Daniel doesn't break stride. He continues to meet with God and continues to spend time in prayer. And he makes no apologies for his faith. And he trusts that whether he lives or dies, and oftentimes our situation is not life or death, but he trusts that whether he lives or dies, no matter the pain, God will be glorified and that's what's important. And God is in charge and he's got everything in his hands and so he's going to be faithful no matter what. I'd say take this cue, but remember this. Daniel didn't begin praying when the mess started. Scripture says he continued praying even in the middle of the mess. Oftentimes we we don't realize how much we don't pray until we start to pray because something has gone terribly wrong. And then we're like, man, I got no idea what to say. I don't need, you know, it's been so long. It's been the last crisis I had was the last time I spent some time in prayer. Man, he, Daniel, just continually spending time in prayer and in the middle of the mess, continues to spend some time in prayer, continues to be faithful. Okay, but that's not the craziest part of the story. So there's some crazy parts of the story. Potentially David's going to be thrown into a lion's den, but I think that's not even the craziest thing. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I, had a, um, I had a student, I could tell the story about 10 different students probably, but um, had this student and uh, she was not very nice to me. Uh, not a big fan of being in our program and uh, didn't want to be there, but the court had ordered that she join a workforce program and this was the best of the worst. And so she joined the program and uh, cussed me with words I had not yet heard um, on a regular basis. And, uh, and it was ugly. And we have these five discipline steps that we walk through. And we, we only have five. We needed 30. So we just walked through those five, six, and seven times. And uh, just continued to work with her. There was an opportunity for, for her to go work with one of our partners and do an internship. And it's one of those internships that's not competitive. So, um, so we get to sort of send students who are struggling to see if they can sort of catch a vision for something. And so uh, she goes and does this internship. The guy uh, calls me in a month that's leading the internship, and he's like, man, I want to come talk to you. Um, and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, now they're probably going to kick us out of the program. And, um, and he says, man, she is doing, I have to be careful not to say her name. She is doing so great. I mean, she's crushing it. You know, just every, she's there every day, great attitude. And I'm like, you, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, and she comes back um, the next semester, which is, which is right now. She comes back, and, um, and we've determined that she can't be in the program anymore. In some place, we have to sort of draw the line and say, without X, Y, and Z happening, she can't come back. And so um, she comes back and walks through the three steps, has a conversation with me, tells me a lot of profanity in the conversation. That's just how she talks. And, um, but, 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 it's safe, but, but using it in a different way, right? And just beginning to tell me how she wants to do this and how she wants to be a part of, of, of the program and, and, and her, sort of her plans and that kind of thing. And now she's walking through the program. We're three months in, only miss one day, which is incredible attendance. Um, only miss one day. Her, her instructor is like, man, this kid is crushing it, you know, just doing phenomenal. But the only reason we got to get here is because in the midst of the ugly, nasty, ugly mess that it was, criminal charges in there, really ugly to me, theft of stuff from other students and from me, in the midst of all that, we just continued to walk down the road. And just continue to try to be faithful to with her, to serve her in spite of the way that she talked and the way that she felt and all those kind of things. And now, fingers crossed, maybe I don't know if that makes a difference, but and now doing a great job because we walk down the road. 
So Daniel gets thrown in this lion's den. He's not getting cursed at, not getting stolen from. Somebody wants to kill him. So, so it's a little bit worse, right? Gets thrown in this lion's den. But check out his response here. Makes it through the night. King comes back in the morning. He's going to see how the night went. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Verse 21, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. To me, that's the craziest part of the story. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Before we jump into that, let me say transparency, uh, just to present all sides of the argument. Some people say a couple of different things. They say, well, these were toothless lions, and so that's why they didn't eat Daniel. And, and for one, I think that's, that's just crazy, because one, it doesn't line up with the end of the story, and two, I just don't think the Babylonians were involved in this you know, sort of mind warfare where they're like, let's just really scare him and throw him in there, but they won't eat him. And so that doesn't seem to be consistent with how they did things, and the rest of the story contradicts that. But some people say that. Some people say that, um, that he was thrown in there, but the lions just weren't hungry. And so, uh, again, that contradicts with the rest of the story. But here's the whole thing. When people really have trouble with this story, and the idea of God closing the mouths of the lions, is that, is it really that crazy that the Creator has some power over the thing that He created? We're talking about a God who, when Israel was hungry and they were in the middle of a, the middle of a desert, um, he sent doves, and every day, every single day, this had not happened before, every day, doves fly and they land right in their camp. They don't have to hunt for them or anything. They just fly and they land right there, and these people can go out and pick up doves and cook them and eat them. So they've got meat to eat. Uh, a miraculous thing, every day, meat, game, just falls right into their camp. God's got total power over that. And we can believe that, but we can't believe this. God parted a sea, just split the walls in half, and people walked through the middle of it on dry ground. We can believe that, but we hang up here. God raises, raised His Son from the dead. We can believe that He can raise someone from the dead, but can He make lions not hungry? No way He can do that. I just can't. Sometimes where we draw the line just seems a little crazy. So I can believe this part of the story. Here's the craziest part of the story. It's, there's a guy, seems like he's Daniel's friend. He cares a lot about, he cares more about himself and his reputation, but he cares about Daniel's, cares about Daniel. He's a friend of Daniel. Daniel served him faithfully. Daniel's never wronged him. And, and, and this guy throws Daniel into a den of lions to be eaten alive. And God miraculously saves him. And when Daniel comes out, he says, you just wait i got a knuckle sandwich with your name on it. No, you know, something terrible. He comes out and says, yeah, this is going to be bad for you. No, here's what he says. He says, may the king live forever. May the king live forever. This guy did something terrible to Daniel. And when Daniel comes up, he says, may the king live forever. Is that your response to people in the midst of being attacked? May you live forever. May great things happen to you. The king finally comes to his senses. He uh, throws the guys who concocted this plan. He throws them into the pit. And it turns out the lions were hungry because it says they crushed their bones before they reached the ground. 
And so it turns out the lions were pretty hungry. Daniel's, Daniel is restored. He lives the rest of his life sort of in this position of honor. You want to thrive in the midst of adversity? Be faithful to God and be faithful to people around you. Don't be somebody who turns on people around you as soon as the adversity begins. Adversity in your marriage, be faithful. Adversity at work, be a faithful employee. Uh, if, you, if you've committed to work somewhere for a year, see the year through. I mean, within reason, right? But be faithful to do the things that you've committed to do. Adversity totally outside of your control, society problems, those are the kind of things that you face. Be faithful and generous to people around you. Man, when we do those things, the impact is great. Because look how the story ends. This is, to me, the craziest part. Daniel, faithful to God, faithful to the people around him. And there's a king who just days earlier issued a decree that said, you can only worship me. So no other God, you can only worship me, you call me God, you bow to me. He issues a decree like that. He sees Daniel's faithfulness to God and Daniel's faithfulness to serve him. And and then listen to what he says days later. He says, now I issue a different decree. Verse 26, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Man, what a change. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. A guy who days earlier said, you guys all need to worship me, now sees the faithfulness of this guy. And he says, no, 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 don't worship me. Worship the one true God. Man, how incredible. The great ending to this story is not Daniel's life being spared. The great ending to this story is the man who is far from God chooses to follow God. You want to make a great impact in the lives of people around you? I know you do because I talk to you and I hear the things that you say and the concern and care that you have for people around you. You want to make the biggest impact in their life that you can make? You want to change the course of your family? You, you, you want to make that sort of an impact? Be faithful in the middle of the mess. And be faithful to continue to serve God and be faithful and generous to the people around you. Let me pray. God, I praise you for, for this morning. And God, I praise you, one, that you give us the power to do that. That it is not some power that I've got to find within me to be 